Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Why does this matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care podcast. Yep, Dr. Casey Grover here once again as your host. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to let you all know that I got started on the professional social media network, LinkedIn. It seemed like a pretty good way for professionals to network, and I decided to give it a try. If you are also on LinkedIn, please connect with me. I'd love to get feedback on the podcast and see what future episodes you think would be helpful. And with that, on to today's episode. Before I introduce the topic, I have to disclose that the paper that we are going to be reviewing in this episode uses some adult language, so heads up. Today's episode will be on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, specifically how do patients who are given a diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome feel about receiving that diagnosis. Now, why this topic? For all of you, like me, who work in the emergency department, taking care of patients with cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome has become a pretty regular occurrence. And when we tell patients that we think they have the syndrome, they tend to disagree. I usually get a response that is something like, yeah, I don't think it's the weed. So I found a paper on this topic and thought it was perfect for a podcast episode. The title is, and I am quoting the title exactly, heads up, here comes the adult language, quote, I still partly think this is bullshit, end quote, a qualitative analysis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome perceptions among people with chronic cannabis use and cyclic vomiting. Love that title. Alexandra Collins is the lead author, and the paper was published in the journal Drug and Alcohol Dependence in 2023. So it is hot off the press. Let's dig in. The introduction section of the paper provides some background on cannabis and cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. First, the authors note that cannabis is very commonly used in the United States and use is increasing with increased legalization in the United States. Second, the authors also note that cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is on the rise as cannabis use goes up. A brief aside, if you need a refresher on cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, we did an entire podcast episode on the topic. Check out episode 45 of this podcast. Back to the article. The authors provide a very brief description of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, which is severe cyclic vomiting, nausea, and abdominal pain in the context of daily cannabis use. 
the authors note that patients with cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome commonly present to the emergency department when very symptomatic and that it can be very hard to differentiate in the emergency department between cyclic vomiting syndrome and cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. The authors go on to elaborate on this point, noting that cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome can only be definitively diagnosed when symptoms resolve with cessation of cannabis use. And obviously, we're not going to see that during a shift in the emergency department. So, it makes sense that in the acute care setting, when a patient presents with cyclic vomiting with regular cannabis use, we're going to consider the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. But we can't definitively make the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome in the acute care setting. So the authors wanted to examine this. Here is the aim for their study. Quote, to understand how people with chronic cannabis use characterized their experiences with cyclic vomiting and their interactions within the ED setting, including discussions related to cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, end quote. And that brings us to the methods section. The authors report that this is a qualitative study between December 2021 and May 2022 in Rhode Island. The researchers collected a prospective cohort of patients presenting to the emergency department with symptomatic cyclic vomiting and chronic cannabis use. Patients who were included in the study were 18 years of age or older, fluent in English, their urine drug screen was positive for THC, and they met a predefined criteria that the authors used for cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, which was using cannabis 20 or more days per month for one or more years, and cyclic abdominal pain and vomiting that started after chronic cannabis use. The authors note that a definitive diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome could not be made as these patients were still using cannabis when they presented to the emergency department. The authors initially approached 39 patients, 24 of which completed a qualitative interview. The interview was conducted by a medical social scientist in person or via Zoom. Interviews lasted 30 to 60 minutes, and participants were compensated for their time. So, what did the authors find? Well, they enrolled 24 patients. Age ranged from 19 to 45, with the mean age being 27. 54% were white, 38% were black. 55% were women, and 41% were men. 88% used cannabis more than once per day, and 13% used THC concentrates. And here's the breakdown on how the participants used cannabis. 46% used blunts, 35% used bongs, 13% used joints, and 8% used vaporizers. The authors next looked at where patients got their cannabis from. 63% of participants obtained their cannabis from what the authors call sellers, which I am translating as drug dealers. 17% of patients obtained their cannabis from legal recreational dispensaries. And 13% of patients obtained their cannabis from legal medical dispensaries. So, in these interviews, what were some of the common themes that the patients who participated in the study brought up? 
Well, the first theme was that patients were uncertain about their diagnosis of suspected cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. Participants reported being uncertain that they had been given the right diagnosis. Reasons why patients felt this way included feeling as though they had not been adequately evaluated for other causes of symptoms, as well as believing that their symptoms didn't always correlate with cannabis use, or that they hadn't been using cannabis long enough to develop the syndrome. Patients also felt as though it was too easy for providers to label cyclic vomiting as cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome once the provider found out that the patient used cannabis. A quick aside, we might call this premature closure when it comes to making diagnoses. Patients also expressed skepticism about the diagnosis as there are not any tests that can be done to confirm the diagnosis. Patients also reported feeling stigmatized for using cannabis and that often providers, once it was discovered that the patient was using cannabis, would not be open to discussing other diagnoses. One patient reported that she felt as though her healthcare providers stopped listening to her. Here is a quote from her, quote, they'd be like, that's what it is, that's what it is, that's what it is. They never really heard me and the other things that I was telling them, end quote. Most of the patients in the study reported researching cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome themselves using general internet searches to get information. Interestingly, the authors found that even when patients acknowledged that their cannabis use might have been contributing to their symptoms, most still questioned their diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. A few respondents noted that they only came to accept the diagnosis after they had researched the syndrome online and had read other people's experiences with cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome that sounded like their own. The second theme that the authors found in their research was that patients expressed doubt about the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome existing in general, as they did not understand why it would happen. Participants noted that some of their symptoms seemed to be affected by or related to other factors, such as eating different types of foods, changes in eating habits, stress, and alcohol consumption. And Therefore, this made them doubt that cannabis was the culprit. Additionally, participants noted that episodes seemed to come at random, which also made them doubt that cannabis was the cause. One patient stated, quote, it seems like there's no rhyme or reason to it, end quote. And the third and final theme that the authors found in this study was that patients felt that provider recommendations on treatment of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome were not helpful. Participants noted that they felt frustrated when the only recommendation they received was just stop smoking cannabis. These participants felt as though the severity of their symptoms was downplayed when this was the only recommendation that they received. One patient actually felt frustrated by the recommendation to stop using cannabis because he knew he had an addiction to cannabis and yet was never offered any treatment for his cannabis addiction. Participants also expressed frustration at how difficult it can be to reduce cannabis usage and healthcare providers did not ask about this or offer any recommendations on how to cut down on cannabis use. 
other participants felt as though cannabis actually helped them in some way, such as with sleep or pain, and healthcare providers weren't willing to discuss this with them when they were recommending cessation of cannabis use. Additionally, healthcare providers didn't offer other therapeutics to manage the medical issue that the patients were using cannabis to treat. As in, for patients using cannabis to help with pain, providers never asked about the pain or offered other treatment options for pain. Now, the authors here then move on to the discussion section. They reiterate that patients expressed concern about the accuracy of the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, noted that they questioned the diagnosis because they did not understand it, and felt that the general recommendation of just stop using cannabis was not helpful. The authors move on to discuss in this discussion section the patient-provider interactions in the emergency department and how negative interactions can change how patients feel about the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome. As in, if patients felt dismissed or blown off by the healthcare provider with sentiments or statements such as, oh, it's just the cannabis, they were less likely to trust the diagnosis. Additionally, patients, despite being evaluated with multiple tests for their symptoms, often felt as though healthcare providers jumped to the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome too quickly. The authors also found that patients were more likely to accept the diagnosis of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome after doing their own research on the condition. Encouraging patients to research the condition may help them to accept the diagnosis. Online communities of patients with the condition do exist, and recommending patients connect with such communities may help them to learn more about the condition and accept the diagnosis. And finally, the authors note that patients felt that quitting cannabis could be hard. As such, providers should refer patients for treatment of cannabis addiction and inquire about what conditions patients had that they were self-treating with cannabis and then offering them medical treatment for those conditions as well. The authors conclude the article with the limitation section, which basically can be summed up as, we looked at patients in the emergency department who we thought had cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, but we are just the emergency department and didn't follow them up long term. The authors clarify that they didn't make any definitive diagnoses of cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome for that reason, but they clarify that they could have done long-term follow-up to confirm the diagnosis, but were not able to do that. The authors also note the limitation that this was a very small group of patients from a single hospital. All right, and that is the end of this article. Holy smokes, I didn't mean that. It just came out as a bad pun. We learned a lot from this article. Let's wrap this podcast episode up with some take-home points. Number one. Cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is a medical condition which involves severe cyclic vomiting, nausea, and abdominal pain in the context of daily cannabis use. Number two, patients who have cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome frequently feel that medical providers do not take their symptoms seriously and prematurely attribute their symptoms to cannabis use. So, be thorough in your workups, Make sure that symptoms are not due to another illness. 
And if you suspect cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, let patients know that you have considered other causes of symptoms, but suspect, based on your testing results, that cannabis use may be the cause of symptoms. Number three, patients who have cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome may not trust the diagnosis as they don't understand the condition. Explaining the diagnosis to them and encouraging them to research the condition on their own may be helpful. Number four, if you have a patient with cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome, please don't just tell them, stop using cannabis. Find out why they use cannabis and offer them treatment for the medical condition that they are self-treating with cannabis. If they are dependent on cannabis or have a cannabis use disorder, offer them treatment or refer them to a treatment program for addiction or an addiction medicine provider. And number five, the definitive treatment for cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome is cessation of cannabis. Cannabinoid hyperemesis syndrome may, unfortunately, take many months or even longer to resolve. As noted in take-home point number four, offer to help your patients stop using cannabis or treat the condition that they have been self-treating with cannabis on their own to help them be abstinent from cannabis for the long term. And that concludes this episode. I apologize for the overly raspy voice. I've had a little asthma flare recently. I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for what you do. Please don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.